I don't have to tell you that gardens are works of art. We know that. And they're works of art often worth preservation. And thanks to the Garden Conservancy, some of them are getting just that. Hello again and welcome to Ken Drew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show. My guest today is Bill Noble, Director of Preservation for the Garden Conservancy. And the Garden Conservancy not only helps to save gardens by working in partnership with the owners and then opening them to the public, uh, but it also provides horticultural, technical, management, and financial expertise to sustain these fragile treasures, because gardens, as you know, are ephemeral, and unless they are helped to keep going, they just uh, disappear. And it's really one of the only works of art that does disappear like that. I guess it's it's almost like performance art, because uh, if you're not there to enjoy it, it's gone. Since its founding, the Garden Conservancy has done more than any other national institution to save and preserve America's exceptional gardens. And today my guest is the Director of Preservation, Bill Noble. Hello, Bill. Hi there, Cam. And I'm talking to you. You're in Vermont at the moment. I'm in Vermont on a, uh, a chilly Monday morning. Yep. And I believe that, I'm pretty sure that Ann Raver said that your garden was her favorite garden in America. <laughs> Didn't she say something like that? <laughs> My good friend Ann Raver. <laughs> in the New York Times. I, I, I think I, what I heard Ann say was that it's one of her favorites. She was giving a, a talk uh, to a rock garden club in the Carolinas, and um, and she featured my garden along with some other really wonderful gardens. Plat, plat, my garden is kind of a plantsman's garden. Dick Lighty um, clued me into that years ago. Uh, I'm in an old farmhouse and 20 acres of fields and old barns and um, followed a, a woman who gardened here for 40 years, and I've sort of continued her legacy and worked also worked with rock garden plants and hardy shrubs and vegetables. Well, I've, I've had the honor of seeing your garden, and it, it is wonderful. And talk about vegetables. You really do beautiful vegetables, ornamental vegetables. And I, if I had to, if somebody asked me what I th- would think was the best private garden in North America, I'm leading you into something, I would have to say it was Frank Cabot's garden in Canada. And Frank Cabot, it, it, well, he was, the I guess, the founder of the Garden Conservancy. It was very much uh, Frank's idea, and I think it had been an idea that had been percolating uh, for a while, but it was really um, his visit to Ruth Bancroft's dry garden in Walnut Creek, California, that was the impetus for founding the Garden Conservancy. And one of the uh, ironies is is that um, Frank didn't much care for cactus and succulent gardens, and, and Ruth Bancroft Garden is very much a cactus and succulent garden. But even if, for someone who didn't care for that style, the the extraordinary beauty and plantsmanship of that of that garden um, was something that he didn't want to see be lost, mm-hmm. and it was going to be lost. Ruth's uh, family, her 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 children, were not interested in maintaining the garden. Uh, none of the local botanical gardens were interested in assuming ownership of her three-acre garden. So uh, Frank came away um, 
inspired with by his wife Anne to to found a Garden Conservancy, and well, that was in 1989. Right, and we, and we should say the late Frank Cabot. I'm sorry to say. And uh, I, I photographed and published Ruth Bancroft's garden. I actually published the first national article on Ruth Bancroft's garden in, I think, 1984. And Ruth is still with us, isn't she? Ruth, at 103, still gets <laughs> out um, uh, in her, in her uh, portable uh, uh, motorized wheelchair to, uh, to see the garden from time to time. Um, so when when you published that garden, um, Ken, it was only about uh, twelve years old. Mm-hmm. Um, that garden was made uh, in uh, 1972, and um, <clears throat> and by the time Frank saw it, um, Ruth was well into her 80s. Um, like a number of the of the gardens, the Garden Conservancy works to preserve. Um, they were retirement projects. They were gardens made by their people, by people in their late fifties and and sixties, and carried them, have carried them through. Well, uh, I guess tell us a little bit about the Garden Conservancy. Uh, I mentioned very quickly a general idea of the mission, but you can tell me a little bit more. And I think I think people have heard about the the Garden Conservancy now. It's it's become quite famous, but I don't think they really understand how it works. Uh, and one thing I also want you to talk about is the open days, which, which uh, I I remember when there was talk about having an open days directory. Some of the people were like, "Oh, who would ever want that?" And it has become an incredible success. The um, the open days program is is maybe the aspect of the Garden Conservancy that most people or more people uh, know about. It um, it was begun in in 1995, so not long after the Garden Conservancy was founded. Um, And in the years since 1995, uh, the program has opened close to 3,000 private gardens that have been viewed by um, nearly a million people. Mm. The idea of the program is for uh, private garden owners to open their gardens to the public, uh, regularly scheduled hours, published through the Open Days directory and on the Open Days uh, website. And so it's pretty easy for people to learn about the gardens that are open, and it's very easy um, to, to visit them. It's a, uh, a modest admission charge, and one of the great things about the program is that the garden makers, the garden owners, are just about always there, and there's this sense of learning and camaraderie and fun. It's it's a really special day for for people, and it, and it's in almost every state, isn't it? It it has over its history. It's been in uh, something like thirty eight states. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, there are between three and four hundred private gardens open every year, and not in all thirty eight states, but in some portion of those. And a number of gardens are are gardens that return either year in, year out, or like mine, about every five years or so, <laughs> <laughs> when there's something new new and different and, and exciting to show. And, and it does take, it takes a little bit of work and, uh, and, and some nerves to, um, to open a garden that, um, is you never know what the weather's going to be. You never know whether you're going to have 100 visitors or 450 visitors. Ooh. So it's... <laughs> 
Imagine that, Ken, huh? <laughs> uh, I can't. Uh, it takes a lot of work. People don't know. It takes a lot of work and a lot of money to get a garden in the shape that you want it to be to be seen. But it also makes you get it in shape that you want it to be seen, which is the that's the good thing. Well, it's like having any kind that's of the, open that's house. That's the good thing. Yep. And um, and I think it's good to emphasize too that the uh, that the gardens in the program can range from very small backyard gardens um, with something really distinctive about them to larger um, gardens with collections of trees and and fields and and woods so you know this this year there's um they're very small urban gardens in in the bay area as well as um some uh connecticut uh estates and and often you have them clustered so not always but sometimes you'll go to let's say rye new york or something and you'll see that there's two or three gardens that will be open on on one date or another the, the goal is to be able to um, uh, pull together enough gardens in an area that a visitor could spend a full day um, visiting gardens in an area. And a full day is usually something like three, four, or five gardens. Oh, that's great. Uh, well, the the directory is available. You said it was on the website. Why don't you tell me that website address, if you can? We'll also post it on the radio website. Okay. Well, the... The, the main website uh, for the Open Days and for the Garden Conservancy is www.gardenconservancy.org. And once you're there, you can find your way to uh, the uh, Open Days, which is slash Open Days. Um, so it's, it's it, easy to find. Yeah, it's easy to find. The Garden Conservancy. <clears throat> so I know you have all sorts of programs and and partnerships, because, and that's kind of the thing I was alluding to before because I, th- I think a lot of people think that the garden and you can correct me if I'm incorrect but that the Garden Conservancy is this big rich organization that saves gardens uh, maybe that happens in Great Britain I'm not sure probably it does but uh, it's really a, a, the partnership is the word because you help gardens find ways to be preserved if you could talk a little bit about how that works preserved and, and open to the public mm-hmm. um, well, the way it works is that, um, like um, Mrs. Bancroft's garden, we find our way to uh, an exceptional garden, to an extraordinary garden. And, um, and in some ways, um, uh, you know it when you see it. Um, we do have a process whereby we try and identify gardens to work with, and we're also very much open to people approaching us. Um, so over the years, we have um, worked with 16 uh, gardens that are preservation projects, where the Garden Conservancy really takes on a garden for the long term to uh, open the garden to the public, uh, oftentimes to restore a garden before opening it to the public, and to establish these gardens as uh, cultural and natural resources for their communities and, and their regions. And you're right, we're, we're not a wealthy organization. We have a budget of about $3 million that comes entirely from our membership and from uh, revenue-generating uh, acti- activities and events. 
Um, we have uh, a modest endowment that is uh, beginning to, to help with, uh, with meeting our operational budget. But really, it's, it's our membership um, who supports our preservation work. And each of the gardens we work with really has a, a different strategy, different set of needs, uh, needs and goals. And I can talk about some of those in, in more detail. But uh, the uh, the point being is that I think we're a very we're very nimble on our feet. We're very flexible, and we have a very ecumenical view of what makes uh, a, a garden exceptional and the kinds of, of gardens that American gardeners uh, have created that are gardens that we want to preserve and want to draw the public into. Well, I'm thinking also of the, in the case of Greenwood Gardens, you were consultants in helping them establish what will become a public garden. So that's not exactly the same as a private garden or garden conservancy garden that you're helping to open to the public on a a different kind of scale. So I guess with Greenwood, you help them get established, and then it's it's you sort of back off, I guess. Or... Well, with with Greenwood, um, what we did is when we were approached by the owners uh, of Greenwood, the uh, family whose whose private garden it had been, and they were seeking a way to um, preserve the property, preserve the garden, uh, and we're looking for a uh, uh, an organization to partner with, mm-hmm. and uh, they found their way to the Garden Conservancy. Um, it's also true that Mr. Cabot had visited Greenwood uh, early on in the years of the Garden Conservancy. So oftentimes there's this long gestation process, and uh, what we did with Greenwood is that we saw that there was uh, an exceptional garden. It was in need of work, but uh, in a area of the country, that area of New Jersey, that we thought would welcome uh, a, a public garden, of uh, a distinct public garden. And, uh, and so we sort of sized things up, and the Garden Conservancy was asked to manage the transition process at Greenwood. So we hired staff, we worked with funding provided by Greenwood, and we uh, recruited staff, managed staff, and was able to uh, bring Greenwood to a point where it was able to manage staff on its own with a board of directors and raise the money that uh, was needed to restore and open the garden uh, to the public. So it's a real success story of the partnership that the Garden Conservancy can enter into with a a garden owner to um, meet the twin goals of restoring and operating and opening to the public. Well, and people can't imagine how complex that is. I mean, you've, you've certainly explained it very well, but just imagine the the legal strategies and the easements and dealing with the government and the local government and the city government and and neighbors and everything. It's really, it, it is a very complex process, I'm sure. And as I said, no two of them are the same. Yes. And, <laughs> And some um, uh, some areas of the country um, are more complex. Some situations are more complex, and and I'm not going to deny that uh, Greenwood was uh, was complex. But um, I think that's one of the values that a, a garden owner sees in the Garden Conservancy is that we're able to muster those 
legal and financial and planning and preservation resources. We don't do it all ourselves, but we're able to um, to go to the best and to pull in the various disciplines to focus on, on getting the job done. Well, you mentioned Ruth Bancroft, which was the first, her garden was the first Garden Conservancy garden uh, in Walnut Creek, California, uh, which is sort of east of the East Bay of San Francisco. And uh, Greenwood is in Short Hills, New Jersey. And I've been to many of the gardens. And one of my favorites is Henriette Sewers, which I guess is still in the process of Maybe, I don't know. What, what state is Henriette Sur's Garden in? I don't mean state of New York. I mean, right. It's a... in Westchester County. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Henriette has promised the gift of her garden, her property, uh, her house, to uh, Westchester Parks and Recreation um, uh, upon her death. She is going strong as a gardener. There is a, a whole slew of um, bald and burlap woody plants sitting in her yard waiting to get planted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is very much her garden, but it's her garden in partnership with Westchester County and the, gar- and the Garden Conservancy. So at some point, the garden will be owned and operated by Westchester County. Uh, there is a advisory committee um, and there's the Garden Conservancy, and both of those entities are prepared to partner with Westchester County in the long term to see that Henriette's dream, her vision of <clears throat> a beautiful garden oasis in the in the midst of um, populated Westchester County, is something that can last forever. Well, uh, there are gardens all across the country, and I don't want you to tell me necessarily the best or your favorites, but if you could maybe tell me a little bit about a few gardens in different parts of the country uh, that people might be able, that our Garden Conservancy Gardens are in the process that people might be able to visit. Well, there's John Ferry's Peckerwood Garden in in Hempstead, Texas, which is about an hour outside Houston and two hours from Austin. Mm -hmm. And I first saw uh, John's garden in in 1992, and um, although there's very little in his garden that, that can grow in mine, I keep uh, being drawn back to Peckerwood for the beauty of its design and the uh, sheer interest uh, and exuberance of the plants that he has collected in Texas and Mexico and from Asia and combined them into an otherworldly kind of garden that is rooted in in Texas traditions, but is really uh, a garden that that really carries you um, out of yourself. Yes, and when you say collected, in this case, he collected. (laughs) He went on... Yes. Uh, collected acorns, and he has one of the most comprehensive collection of Mexican oaks uh, in the United States. Um, and, and, and Mexico is just a, um, what's the word, Ken? Help me here. It, it is, it, it's one of the most um, biodiverse <laughs> um, uh, places in the world, and oaks are one of the... Uh, uh, families that 
are celebrated in, in, in Mexican diversity, um, as are uh, magnolias and then, of course, um, the plants that we might um, expect to see more of, the agaves and yuccas and, and the, the, the woody lilies, the mm -hmm. dry land plants. And, um, and Peckerwood is not only a place of beauty and a place of conservation, um, it is a place that uh, one day will, will really um, add in a very serious way to the um, public garden um, life of Texas mm -hmm. and, and, and be an educational resource. Uh, for plants that are really adapted to growing in this really extreme climate and uh, over the course of their decades growing at Peckerwood are, are proving themselves. Well, I have a, a Cornus Florida that he collected in the mountains of Mexico uh, that I'm growing very well in my co formerly cold zone six garden in the northwest corner of New Jersey. Mm -hmm. So there's mm -hmm. plants that can be tried and can be successful across the country. Can you can you mention quickly a, a garden maybe in the Midwest? Well, there's Udale, not quite the Midwest, but um, uh, outside uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and it was the uh, garden and nursery of the nurseryman uh, Theodore Klein, who had a, uh, a, a nursery and garden installation business, but he was a collector of woody plants, um, especially uh, cornus and fagus. And um, and after his death, a group of people uh, formed uh, a friends group, purchased the property from his family, and have developed uh, Udell as a uh, botanical garden for Louisville. And one of the things that's so special about this place is that uh, his nursery crew, in their winters off, um, built arts and crafts style house, a pool house in the form of a castle, uh, ruined <coughs> ruined gardens, and um, and it really has this uh, late 19th century British feel to it in the Midwest. It's it's it's. It's quirky and also very serious horticulture. Wow. I'm going to try to get there sometime. Yes, yes. You, uh, they've done... Um, <clears throat> Paul Cappiello is the executive director there, and uh, Paul has really led that uh, organization and garden to um, become one of, the, one, of the, one of the best small new gardens around. You know, we, we take it for granted that gardens are art you and i i can say that about you too i imagine uh and also places to learn and and how important it is to connect nature to people which is often very difficult but uh it's one of the great things that the garden conservancy is doing and it's so important especially these days as nature gets further and further away from people and from children especially but the garden conservancy is it's it's very important, especially in this country, because we have to promote gardens as living works of art, and they're rarely thought of as that. And I think that's one of the great contributions that you are making. And uh, is there anything else you'd like to share with us before we have to go? Well, I just um, really hope that people will go to the Garden Conservancy website and track down some of these gardens that we've been talking about. 
Pecker Wood and Rocky Hills and 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 the others, and go visit them. It's um, we don't do this just to preserve the work of art and the plants. We do this to have an effect upon people, and we want people to to come visit and uh, and appreciate. And you're doing a, a great job at that. And I'm also glad that you're involved with it because I think personally you you add a lot to the Garden Conservancy. And thank you so much for being my guest today. Thanks a lot, Ken. We all love gardens, and I encourage you to look into the Open Days program. And to get more information, you can go to the Garden Conservancy website, and there'll be a link on my website, kendrews.com, to gardenconservancy.org. And you can find out gardens, public and private, that are open, uh, open to you, and uh, often the owner of a private garden will be there and you get a behind-the-scenes glimpse of how gardens are maintained and get to ask some questions. See you next week on Ken Drew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show. <laughs> <laughs>